0: This is Comic Geek Speak episode 1630, Dr. Strange Movie Review.
1: I'm Adam Murdo. I'm Shane Kelly. I'm Chris Epperly.
2: And I'm Danny O'Brien. Come
1: Welcome to the show. This is not indeed- Let
0: the flames of 14! Sorry.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's going to be lots of mystical eldritch ejaculations like that flying around the room for this <laughs> one, folks, because... <laughs> This is going to be a weird, wild, and wonderful one, just like the (laughs) film that inspired it. So this is our Doctor Strange movie review episode. Can't wait to get down to that. But first, let us uh, give a salam and namaste to our sponsor for this episode. And that is the Collection Drawer (laughs) Company, home and manufacturer of the Drawer Box Storage System, the easy access storage solution. Go to CollectionDrawer.com to find out more about it. It's their flagship product, basically. It's a long box with a drawer that pulls out of the front instead of a lid that lifts off of the top for easier access access to your comics. With the use of the drawer box storage system, you can store over 1,400 comic books in just two square feet of floor space if you stack them five high. And uh, so they're easily stackable, they're conveniently accessible, and they're available in a variety of sizes and shapes. You can store not only comics, but magazines, sewing supplies, action figures, LP records, and all kinds of other neat things like that. And they also offer accessories to go with your uh, drawer boxes, such as the uh, box sort upright dividers, which uh, help to prevent your comic's from falling over inside of the drawer boxes as the drawer is pulled in and pushed uh, pulled out and pushed back in. And the box locks box anchoring system, which makes it easier to stack your drawer boxes five high to prevent tipping and improve stability. So check out their full range of products at CollectionDrawer.com. It is the easy access storage solution and it will make your life much easier if you're a serious comic book collector.
0: Brother Murdo, if I may, I want to point out that you've uttered yet another what's sure to be timeless Murdo quote. Mystic Eldritch ejaculations. <laughs> well done, sir. Well done indeed. Thank
1: you very much.
3: <laughs> Certainly not something I expected to hear in the first few minutes. Well. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh no, we're 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 going from zero to vishanti here tonight. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and let us revel in the fact that the noble Daniel O'Brien has joined us, which is wonderful. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs>
3: Chris, I do have to interrupt for one second because I th- yes, brother. think this is the right part. I wanted to ask your opinion of something totally unrelated to Doctor Strange for just sure, a minute. Go ahead. If it will work. Oh, come on. Maybe it won't. It could be because we're all in the thing. Um, I was watching the, the uh, Batman new animated movie with Adam West and Burt Ward. And
0: I was watching it today as well, coincidentally.
3: <laughs> what? Did you get to the part where the Riddler says a word twice that you say all the time? And the first no, I've not, I've oh not gotten God. there yet. Right. Right. <laughs> well, then I'll let you go. I'll, we'll talk look, about it later. It's a word I say all the oh, time. Oh yeah, <laughs> I look forward to getting that it again. I just,
0: I stopped where they showed the multiple cat women, which is fantastic.
3: This is just a little bit after that. All right,
0: okay, never mind. All we'll right. cover it later. <laughs> we'll talk. That's that's a good comic talk discussion. That that, that DVD, absolutely. Onto the All strange. right. Dr. St- Go ahead. I'm sorry, Shane.
3: No, onto the strange.
0: Dr. Strange.
1: Yep. Dr. Strange, the new film, just uh, released. Uh, well, we're recording this uh, um, November 10th, so just about a week after it uh, hit theaters. Yeah. Uh, everyone present has seen it, and uh, so I guess we need to begin with some initial thoughts. Um, Shane, you
3: want to get the ball rolling there? I uh, I loved it. I had a, a hoot and a half of a time. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> Um, I took my youngest son to go see it and he loved it, had a great time, something that he commented on and that we were wondering about when you watch the trailers on TV at the end, it says some scenes may be too intense for younger viewers. Okay. So Matt was a little bit nervous about that. I'm like, yeah, it should be fine. You know, you've seen all this other stuff. I think you're good. And at the end of the movie, he turns to me and goes, what was so intense about any of that? I'm like, I'm not too sure, but he was fine. Um, I had, I really did I had a great time I thought the effects were fantastic um, Story was a lot of fun I had people at work ask me If they could go see it not knowing much about it I said you don't need anything To go in to see this movie mm-hmm. You'll catch a couple things if you've watched all the other Marvel movies And I'm sure Those who know a lot more about the comic Got even more out of it But yeah you could go in and just have A fun time watching An adventurous movie and not really stress too much about it. So I thought it was a an out-of-the-park hit this time. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, well, they, they needed to make it like ground-floor accessible because yeah. this is not one of Marvel's better-known characters no, beyond no. comic book fan circles. So, yeah, it was kind of the, the, the burden was on them to do that. So hence another origin story movie. Which... And, I, and
3: I thought they did brilliantly tying it into the larger Marvel universe, even though it was just a couple snippets of that thrown in. Mm-hmm.
1: It was a little uh, cameo by the Avengers Tower in the background yeah. here and...
3: Just really, really great job.
1: Yeah, it was... Yeah, th- th- this was a true trip for me. I mean, it's... <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm kind of fond of uh, light psychedelia, especially the kind that doesn't involve any actual substances. <laughs> right. uh, but this movie... You know, we were just saying before we got on mic here that you know, Danny said that she could not imagine this movie on drugs because it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's trippy enough just as it is. But man, what a yeah. uh, true feast for the senses, though. I, I, I really, really enjoyed watching this movie. I mean, it's... Uh, uh, the, 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 the the visuals of course that's, that's I may as well just begin there because they were so next level my oh, goodness just yeah. eye popping mind bending sanity spiraling visuals I mean, especially the ones that took place in the mirror dimension where they start uh, you know, uh, replicating and bending Distorting buildings around bit, and, yeah and yeah, and, it's, and then, you know there, there was a lot of grumbling before the movie was even released about uh, you know how the, the effects looked to be kind of like an Inception rip-off. well you know it's undeniable that there is a certain you know debt owed to inception for the for the basic idea behind some of the things that they did visually, especially in those mirror dimension scenes but yeah, yeah. Uh, they, they took that ball and just ran a long long way with it i mean it's this this is really it, 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 it transcends you know, the, the, it, it's it's the next evolutionary step beyond what inception began, and uh, the visuals were fantastic and colorful and uh, you know theres you, you could see you know the, the ditko influence here and there ah. You know, yeah, there's a certain, you know, especially the dark dimension. You could see uh, it, it looked very yeah. much the way uh, you know, old Steve the Dean Ditko conceived it. I, I liked the costume and prop designs again, many of which harkened back to the to the comics. Um, there was a cameo by the Wand of Watum. Juan uh, was actually wielding the Wand of Watum, one of the ancient Fate Arcana that he's always he's always talking about or swearing by or trying to get away from the bad guys. It's it was in there. there. There were a few Easter eggs like that. Um, uh, yeah, just the story was uh, light and quick. I mean, if you stop and think too hard about it, the story was actually a little bit thin. But yeah, yeah. in the moment, that doesn't bother you in the least because you're too busy, you know, just gawking and gaping it, yeah. and gawping at the screen, all the beautiful things going on up there. Uh, yeah, well, lots of Easter eggs for uh, the fans of the character and of Marvel, the Marvel universe in general. It's it's light. It's there's a good uh, amount of humor. Yeah. Uh, uh,
3: yeah. So just yeah.
1: Completely enjoyable. It it may be my new favorite uh, solo Marvel uh, uh, single-character franchise.
3: It's right up there with Ant-Man for me.
0: Danielle, what are your initial thoughts?
2: Uh, I thought it was fun. Uh, I think the plot was definitely really kind of thin, but when you were in the theater, you really didn't care because it was just a lot of fun. The visuals, I mean... I When we got out of the movie, I said, like, thank goodness for Inception. Like, I didn't think it was a ripoff. I think it just took what Inception did mm-hmm. and just went the next level with it. Like, exactly. thank you for that influence because because of, I feel like because of Inception, you then were able to have that Doctor Strange movie and those effects. And they were insane. And I don't know who saw it in 3D, but I can't even, I can't imagine that movie in 3D. Like, there were parts where actually made me nauseous. I've heard I, I, this weird visual thing that uh, screws me up, but there were parts where I was like, ah, no, I can't watch anymore. But
3: I've heard people that did see it in 3D really enjoyed it. It wasn't the, the, the good old-fashioned, let's throw one or two things at you and make you try and jump 3D. It was actually purposeful between the, yeah, the way the, the can... alternate universes and the spells were being cast.
2: Yeah, I can imagine that it was a uh, very layered. But I still, I, I hate 3D with a passion, oh, so goodness. that was <laughs> a no go for me. But I do love, like, it was visually stunning. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was absolutely the way they did everything, the the way you saw, the way the magic was portrayed. Like, it was beautiful. It should win all the awards. Those those visual people, the visual FX people, like in the mirror universe, I, it hurt me to understand how they did those effects. Yeah. Just watching the buildings move. And if you ever played the game Monument Valley, it's an iPhone game. It's very similar in concept. You move these things, but it. we were watching it. I just turned to Bill and I went, it's like playing Monument Valley. <laughs> this hurts my head. But I thought it was really good. Uh, it's probably not my favorite Marvel movie, but it was definitely fun. I might put it on in the background again.
0: I uh, I reveled in every moment of this film. Um, I've always loved Doctor Strange, his world, the character. Murder and I did a pretty lengthy spotlight on the character uh, last year. And uh, I went into this with high expectations, A, because the MCU has done very little to disappoint me since, since it started in 2008. And, two, I have absolute faith in Benedict Cumberbatch uh, as an actor and it's interesting all you guys mentioned how the plot was kind of thin and and I agree with you and I think that's appropriate because the original Doctor Strange origin story is what Murd less than 10 pages yeah it was
1: a backup story in an issue of strange tales
0: yeah so I think they just kind of rolled with that and because of the strength of the actors involved and the visuals it all worked what I found very interesting was that if you read the origin of Doctor Strange, he's a real bastard. And they I don't think they pushed it quite as much in this version of the origin. You get the fact that he's self absorbed, you get the fact that he's almost kind of like a junkie when it comes to his work and the next challenge and so forth. But they put uh Rachel McAdams in there to show that he there was some that he had a heart to some degree and the watch he was wearing and and so forth. And I thought they just they didn't they they made him appear enough to be someone that he was somewhat antipathetic, which then made his his sort of his awakening, you know, effective. Um, and and that aside, the the overall package, like you said, was was just a well done origin story. And, and you're right, the average moviegoer just knows nothing about Doctor Strange. Maybe they have never even heard of the character uh, before this movie. Um, and I think you you could leave the theater having a really good sense of who the character is. You know what his initial journey or story arc is and how he's going to fit into the overall in this case Marvel Cinematic Universe that's why I think that's that uh ecstasy with Thor at the end was very important because it shows you right away that he has a place as the Sorcerer Supreme or he will be the Sorcerer Supreme uh in the Marvel Universe and protecting our dimension from you know threats both you know in other dimensions and on Earth and and, and so forth and and again to, to back up what Murd said when he went into sort of the inner mindscape where they have all the psychedelia popping out at you, and and then when he goes to the the dark dimension, I was like, oh, it's Ditko. I, I I was so just thrilled with especially the dark dimension. I thought they just really captured the feel of that art. Um, just magnificent. Uh, and, and Cumberbatch, again, he whether he's playing Khan, Sherlock Holmes, Stephen Strange, he channels that character, and uh, right down to his, his verbal fencing with Wong, everything was oh. just right on the money. <laughs> so,
3: you know uh, the 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 gentleman who played Wong and um, Mordo, ha- Mordo, Mordo. And how Mordo. great is
1: it, by the way, that uh, Wong was played by an actor who is actually I named know. Wong?
3: <laughs> <laughs> is it oh, that's is it right, Ben Wong, I...
1: Benedict Wong.
3: Yeah, the yeah. two of them were also in The Martian, and I loved their characters in The Martian movie. That's right to itself. Yep. Um, but they were a lot of fun to watch in this one. I, I thought Wong was a hoot and a half, but he was hilarious, um, especially when he was listening to Beyonce on the headphones <laughs> after
1: being called Beyonce <laughs> by Cumberpatch. Oh.
3: Yeah.
0: Well, what I found was interesting was that if you look at the end at the end credits, you know they list the pantheon of creative icons of all added to the Doctor Strange mythos in the comics, and the last person listed was Brian K. Vaughn. Obviously a reference to Doctor. Strange the Oath, and I really think the dynamic they established between Strange and Wong really comes out of Doctor. Strange the Oath because you know the humor the sarcasm um, that sort of that uh, it's not a, not a love hate relationship but it, but it's like it's a barbed love, and they really start to establish that And that comes right out of the oath um, so I'm glad they had Vaughn on that list. Sorry, I cut you off there. I apologize. Nope,
1: nope. No, no, I was fine. I was cutting Shane off, and then.
3: No, fine. Um, I really did think he was such an ass in the beginning. He was just almost hateful. That was entirely the idea, uh, Shane. It, it was yep. it was crazy. Um, I I I love the actor. I haven't watched all of Sherlock yet. I'm trying to make my way through them. Um. But when this movie was announced, he was one of the first ones I thought of to play that part. Oh, um, he looks the part. He really does. So much. Yep. Head to toe. Is,
1: his American accent is not the best I've ever heard from a no, Br- and, British and, actor. But uh, you, you sort of get used to it as the movie goes on and doesn't do. bother you after a while.
2: And, he and, sounds like Hugh Laurie on House.
1: I was I was about to say, just like Hugh Laurie. Yeah. <laughs> <'cause they're>,
2: it's, <laughs> yeah. And I
1: went, it's Hugh Laurie.
3: Now, yeah. some of that it's I true. wish they would have let him have his natural British accent because – For all the little subtle things that they change in the Marvel movies to suit their own needs, it wouldn't be unheard of in this day and age to have an English doctor living in New York working. And I don't think many people would have blinked an eye at it. No, they wouldn't have. For him, especially. But it it is what it is, and it still sounded okay. And like Danielle said, you, you get used to it not too far off into the movie.
1: I thought those early see- well, yeah, you're right. He, he absolutely is an ass. Oh. Though even in the beginning, you can tell that there's you know some concern for human well-being in him, even if it does tend to get uh, buried under an avalanche of arrogance much yeah, of the yeah. time. But yeah, I, I liked those early scenes because they were they were very well paced. Mm-hmm. I thought that the movie didn't. I thought things started to get a little bogged down once we got to Camertage. But uh, the the early sequence where uh, we establish his character and his life as a hotshot surgeon in New York, and then his accident and his fall from grace and his desperate grasping search for a cure, I thought that was all paced very well or very brisk. It gave us just enough, like exactly the right amount of portrayal of his life pre-accident and pre-sorcery to sort of ground us. And I especially liked the bit where he's uh, being challenged by one of his assistants to name the uh, title artist that. and year of release of, uh, yeah. of 70s yeah. musical classics. Because I, ladies and gentlemen, have been known to stand around my apartment and play that very same game with myself, watching the <laughs> music choice music channels on my uh, Comcast.
3: Fabulous. Yeah,
1: yeah. Fabulous. But, uh, you know, I also
2: think the first st- the song that they first play when you meet him was just perfect.
1: Oh, uh, Shine and Star? yeah. Because it just by. seemed
2: like an arrogant choice. Yeah. It's just like a good like. That's exactly what he thinks of himself.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. Good
2: point. Good the, point.
3: The only thing i am sorry, Shane. Go ahead. The only thing I missed from the beginning, and and maybe I missed it just in my awe of watching all the visual things going on, was from the time we see him in the beginning operating and then getting into the car accident until he finds Carmitage. I I don't know that I realized how much time passed because i mean that takes a long time to heal your hands even as much as they did the therapy the operations i mean i'm thinking we're talking year or two
0: well well he mentions at one point that he had basically spent his last dollars to get to nepal right so you you have to assume and obviously he was a wealthy man with the kind of apartment he had in manhattan so i agree that it was probably over a year a period of years that until he got there essentially one thing i liked i thought was a great change because um, you know they always have to tweak things when they put them in a different uh, media format. Sure. In the comic, he hears about the ancient one like he's on the docks, and he hears about it from like you know these shady roustabouts, you know, dwelling on the docks. That really and it had the real didgo feel to it. You know, the cigarette little hanging from the lip and so forth. That wouldn't. I don't think that would have worked here. So I, I thought it was a very clever way they they had him find out about the ancient one in that he's he's challenged by this therapist and and he gives them information about this patient, this miraculous recovery from I think it was a spinal injury and played by Benjamin Bratt and then you know, they they tie it in that way and and give that a mystical element and I thought that was very interesting I thought it was a good way to sort of update that element of of the origin What did you guys think about that?
2: Yeah I think so, it made sense I mean I didn't actually, I don't really know much about the origin, I just know he got into a car accident hands went kablooey that's about all I know. Uh, I was but that did make
1: sense. Yeah. Yeah, I was wondering going into how uh, he was going to catch wind of this mysterious Himalayan miracle healer. And uh, well, the way it went down, it, it uh, I, I totally bought it.
3: Yeah, I did too. And, and it still wasn't like he went and found someone of his quote same stature. I mean this guy was playing basketball in like a rough-looking neighborhood and, and just – I liked how he explained he could have learned more, but he didn't want to. He wanted to come back to his life, and and that's all he wanted. He made that choice. And and that's fine. Um, It made sense for his character. And, and again, it was a great way for him to be so arrogant to everyone, including the therapist trying to help him, Mm -hmm. and having someone be able to thumb their nose at him saying, See, I told you, you're not all Mm -hmm. you think you are. Go find this guy.
1: And he had to go crawling, basically, to a guy whom he refused help.
3: Absolutely. That was a great part, too. I forgot about that. That was an excellent part that this guy then took pity on him, in essence, to say how he healed himself. When he could have just done the same thing that Steven did to him. And, you know, go piss off. I'm not going to help you. (laughs) But Then there wouldn't have been a movie. No, there wouldn't have been.
0: (laughs) Huh? Uh, When uh, Baron Mordo first appeared, I whispered to Jun... That's going to be one of his greatest enemies, and uh, I was interested to see how they were going to start to set that up because I figured they had to before the movie was over. And I liked how they made it sort of a crisis of faith for Mordo, um, whereas in the comic he's from the beginning he's a he's a he's a disciple of the ancient one, but he's he's always has these ulterior motives. Whereas mm-hmm. here he's such a true believer, and he's so crushed at the end by the ancient one's deception, sort of for the greater good, and that kind of turns to this path where. You know what happens in that last teaser scene when he goes back to Benjamin Brad and, and takes his magic away from him. Yeah. And he, you know they're setting up how Mordo feels so betrayed by this order that he had been partly dedicated his life to, and now he's going to retaliate by you know essentially trying to strip the world of, of much of its sorcery. So that that sets, up, I think, a great uh, future conflict between him and Strange. Well, and, so. and
3: and the betrayal from the Ancient One in his in his mind went even further. When Stephen made the bargain with the oh God, what was the the big baddie's name? Oh, Dormammu. 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 Yeah. And came back and he said, "But you broke our law." I mean, he his his crisis of faith went far beyond just the ancient one. It went to anyone who had just saved the universe. I mean, it it, it probably extended to Wong to anyone where now this affects everything. Ooh, and probably he's, yeah. he's he's out. I mean, complete reversal in a very short time and it started with the ancient one but it really got cemented with what stephen strange had to do
0: good point shane and and i'm going to butcher the name forgive me Chuitel Eljafor? I'm, I'm 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 mispronounced it i'm sure
1: well, you got the first name right
0: all right my apologies but he's a fantastic actor i mean he you may remember him from serenity for example when he played the uh the assassin um and I've seen him a lot of things. He, he's a, he's an outstanding actor, and, and I really was pleased when I found out that he was playing Mordo, mm-hmm. and thought uh, he did a wonderful job with the character because it, it, and he didn't make him like this one dimensional villain, which is which was is what he kind of is when he first appears in the comic. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's a very complex character who you, you feel how devastated he is by what he sees as as a just a profound betrayal. Um, so well done. What do you guys think of the depiction of Dormammu and the climactic uh, confrontation?
1: Disappointing. Um, <laughs> I knew
0: you'd say that, Murd. Yeah. I knew you would.
1: Well, you know, <laughs> our friend Ian called it. You know, and he was—he uh, he said a few words, spoiler-free, about Doctor Strange when he was on our last Comic Talk episode. And one of the things he said about this movie was that Marvel was still having trouble coming up with a really decent threatening and complex uh, villains. You know, villains who are more than just like a little straw dummy set up for the heroes to punch down. And so in this movie you had who who's really just kind of a pawn of Dormammu. It was, it was played pretty you know, with... with there was sort of icy uh, determination by Mads Mikkelsen, who apparently is great one actor. of the biggest movie stars in Denmark. I'd never heard of him. He's a great actor. He, he was... reminded me a little bit of, uh, of Brando on stage. He was the h- villain screen. in
0: Casino Royale. Yeah.
1: And haven't seen. Uh, he
0: plays Hannibal, Hannibal Lecter.
1: Also, I haven't seen that. So this is the first movie of his that I've seen, and as I said, he reminded me a little of Brando up there on screen. Yeah, but uh, still not that interesting a character. And Dormammu is basically just a big scary CGI effect. He's kind of on a par with Parallax in the Green Lantern movie. Okay, I really was hoping for a little more out of Dormammu. Yeah.
0: Well, the thing about Dormammu is, and I was explaining this to the, my boys when we saw it, that and maybe they'll do this in the future. I don't know, but in in the comic, yes, he has that basic face, and it's usually lit with flames, but he has a humanoid humanoid form, mm-hmm. and Strange actually engages with him, you know, in battle, both you know, magical, physical, so forth. And he he, he has a, he has a form like he's a, he's yeah. a, he's a person. Yep, not only a form, uh, I mean, but uh, also
1: a personality, and uh, that uh, yeah. neither one of those really shown through with the way they they did Dormammu for the movie. Well, you
3: but
0: he, know, you know, they, they may return to him in the future. I'm sorry, Shane.
3: Go ahead. No, that's fine. Um, I I think that could have been done for a purpose because Dormammu never thought. Anything like this could happen. So I think in future, if there's another Doctor Strange movie beyond any involvement Strange has in any of the other Marvel movies, I think w- if he comes back as the big baddie, you could very well see him take that human form because he might feel at that point that's the only way he can get at Doctor Strange. You know, possibly. Again, this this was all a shock. This this humanoid, this little nothing from Earth, coming and. Figuring out a way to stop him and, and turn his entire world upside down for what he was trying to accomplish. And now what? So he, that may be a, a good story element to turn him into that human form down the road and make more sense as to why he was just this big, globby, heady thing right now. Yeah. I could
1: totally see them doing that. I could see well, they could milk some humor out of that. It oh, yeah. was always appealing to Marvel Studios, so yeah. like a, the Secret Wars two thing, where the Beyonder takes human form and has to be taught by Spider Man how to use the bathroom. They sure, sure. <laughs> like that would uh, be in human form. Yeah.
0: Two Ditko uh, elements I wanted to mention. Um, one, one is a one is a, a celebratory. One is a mild disappointment. The mild disappointment was I thought we'd see the mindless ones when we got into the dark dimension. We sort of did. Um,
1: did you did we, I must have missed it then. Tell me uh, where, where when Caecilius and his uh, followers were dragged into the dark dimension at the end, they're kind of – you can see they're, they're they're being corrupted and mutated into something inhuman. And well, that's that's true. That's true. Good point, Murd. You can see like a big glowing purple spot in the middle of their forehead, like the single eye out of which the mindless ones project their energy. So I think
0: Earth? that's – good call. Yeah. I missed that completely. Well I, done, sir.
3: I wondered if they were turning into something – because I don't know as much about Doctor Strange as what you – both do and I wondered if they were turning into something or if they were just being burned away and it didn't look like they were just being burned away to nothing. That's the thing. That's, I, I was saying to
1: Chris I think the, the, the creatures that inhabit uh, the dark dimension that are sort of the thralls of Dormammu are called mindless ones and they're just these big walking hunks of meat that have no faces. They just have these big apertures in the middle of their heads which uh, spew cosmic energy and they just kind of Tromp around, blasting things with their faces, and that's that's all they do. So I'm, I'm kind of thinking Excellent. that's what became of Chysilius, and it's like that. That's what the mindless ones are. I think the movie is suggesting they're, they're just uh, beings who are absorbed into the dark dimension. That, yeah. that that's the kind of eternal life that Dormammu offers to okay. those people whose worlds he uh, annexes into the dark. dimension. And interesting
0: because in the comic, just as a contrast, the, the mindless ones are first introduced are actually a threat to the dark dimension, and Dormammu is, has to actually ask. Dr. Strange, much to Dormammu's chagrin to help him stop them.
3: Oh.
0: Um, so it, it, the, the early Dr. Strange stuff with the, the lead Ditko is just – it's so much fun and just visually engrossing. Uh, and I really was pleased at how they captured that, especially – and this is my positive Ditko comment – when uh, – is it Caecilius? Is that the, the yeah. point of Dormammu? Mm-hmm. When, he is, when he is bound by Strange – that is Ditko to the T. Like the, 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 the like the, his face is gagged by the metal, and he's like held it like, you know, uh, uh, in this painful position by all the the, the, the the binding spell. That the Ditko Doctor Strange. I don't know if there's something some kind of fetish going on there. I'm, I don't know, but that comic is filled with that kind of visuals. Well, especially Clea, who I hope they bring into future films, is often in these positions of submission where she's been bound, or you know. Gagged or things like that by these incantations and so forth. I, 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 was, I was smiling ear to ear when they did that because that's so right out of the, the, the Ditko esque world of Doctor Strange. Very cool,
3: very nice. What did you think of the uh, Sanctum?
1: Oh, oh, awesome in New York. <laughs> yeah. Oh wow, great! Yeah, just very, very, just the very thing. I can just imagine, you know, our our, our friend. Uh, uh, was, uh, that, that, that he used to go by the earlobe of uh, Agamotto on the forums. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Adam, he's uh, a huge Doctor Strange fan. He posted on Facebook that he had multiple orgasms in the course of watching this movie. When he saw that uh, the placard outside that read 177A Bleecker Street, that was oh, probably yeah. one of them. They got the address right. They yeah. got the big uh, picture window with the, the symbol. Uh, I, I always call it the anomaly rue because David Quinn, during his 90s run on the character, gave it that name. The, the other writers may call it something else, but to me it's always going to be the anomaly. Anomaly Rue, It's just the giant window facing yeah. out onto the street.
3: With the symbol going through it. That's mm-hmm. the seal of Ashanti, isn't it, Murr? The symbol?
1: Ah, uh, I, I honestly don't know that the oh, Anomaly okay. Roo is the only Some name could... I've, ne- I've ever known for it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, this, all the, the, the cases with all the different art, uh, artifacts in yeah. them, the, 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 the cloak of levitation. That,
3: that's something oh. to slow down and try to pick out what's yeah. all in those cases.
1: Yeah, the furnishings. I mean, eventually we'll see his, like, study where he's, like, floating there in midair reading books while yeah. consulting the orb of Agamotto, I'm, I'm sure. But, yeah, I, I, I like the design of that. I like the design of just about every, every physical object in the place. And I also, you know, just to, 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 to piggyback on that right to a different topic, uh, I love the music in this movie. Oh, the score the by Michael fabulous. Giacchino. It's great. He splices in some Eastern influences for the Nepal sequences. Yeah. And, and here and there, what I appreciated most, a random harpsichord riff. Mm-hmm. You know, it kind <laughs> of bespeaks the uh, sort of uh, quiet gentility of Doctor Strange's life in Bleakhurst in a Greenwich Village. But uh, also it's kind of a... Uh, a nod to the uh, psychedelic '60s of of, of which uh, the music of which was characterized by harpsichords among other things, and so sure. it's, it's, it's a nod to the era that uh, birthed Doctor Strange as a character.
3: My my younger uh, I, sorry, Shane, go ahead. My younger son had a little bit of a problem with the music in that I think he expected more of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Kind because of what started in Doctor Strange. With oh that.
1: right, with the Earth Wind and Fire and yeah. Chuck Mangione. Yeah,
3: and he said, "Well, what's with the music? It's a little weird." I'm like, "Well, it's not weird. It's it's very appropriate for the story they're telling and where they are." Mm. So uh, we have to revisit that a little bit to just to. I don't want to sound condescending, but educate him a little bit on, on why oh, they were doing the way they he's were. He's
1: like 15 years old. So, yeah, you, he, he still does need to be educated. Yeah. So. No, no condescension applies to you. You're his father. You've got to teach him this stuff.
3: Is a I was very happy with it.
0: And speaking of the Cloak of Levitation, I love how they gave it a personality. Yeah. Um, which was immensely entertaining. It looked great. I like how they did his costume because – I knew they weren't going to go with with the straight sort of like the leggings that are almost like tights and all that, but it it had it had the feel of the Doctor Strange costume or uniform. It looked great. Uh, it had it had a bit. It you know, had a bit of an Eastern influence to it. Uh, you know the boots, the belts, uh, the cloak looked perfect. Uh, you know the goatee, the the, the the sort of the graying sideburns. Uh, he really both both in terms of the voice and the, the physicality just channeled the character. So well, and and Shane, you pre- especially appreciate this. Just before this, I went to see Doctor Strange. It was just on HBO one night, so I had to watch it. The Golden Child was on. Oh, <laughs> and, that's uh, a great movie. <laughs> you know, that's also an adventure that takes place in Nepal. Very different type of movie because it's, oh, yeah. it's almost out and out of comedy and a very fun, goofy comedy. Um, but it was just interesting to kind of compare and contrast those two movies in my head as I was watching um, <laughs> Doctor Strange, but.
3: Now, uh, I I absolutely agree with you on the costume. I loved how they came about, how he evolved from studying to get into this outfit. Um, When I saw in the trailer that the cape had a personality, because the first time I saw it in the trailer was... It's it's slapping his face a little bit. He stop it. Yeah, it's like oh, you got
1: some schmutz on you. Let me yeah, I was a little uh-huh.
3: bit hesitant about that, but it, they really pulled it off in the movie, yeah. and it made sense for what they what yeah. they did with it. Then the cloak loves him. Yeah, but I, I think there
1: there was one part where I thought things uh they, they took the cloak humor a little too far, and it got a little too sticky. I think it was when uh, he was. <laughs> trying to run one direction and the cloak is dragging him the other direction. They he let
3: that go a little bit too long. Maybe yeah. a tug or two too long until mm-hmm. he figured out where he had to go. Um, I, uh, I really wasn't... In the beginning when um, Mordu's training him and says, the relic picks you, right away I thought, oh, well, it's going to be the cloak. I mm-hmm. mean, what, seeing the trailer, if I wouldn't have seen the trailer or knew that the cloak had a personality, I wouldn't have thought that until it actually happened. But mm-hmm. just that little bit... Of the trailer and then hearing the line in the movie, I'm like, oh, well, the relic's going to be the cloak and that's what's going to choose him.
1: Sort of assumed it was going to be
3: the eye, actually. I I didn't. Um, And I was glad that they went with – so as the movie progresses and you you learn about the Ancient One and inevitably you think, well, the Ancient One has to go away in some fashion for Doctor Strange to become the Sorcerer Supreme. I'm actually glad he didn't yet – because they don't – Wong doesn't call him that at the end. It, he, Wong says something about the, the next Sorcerer Supreme or when you become – like it, it's very future. He's not there yet, which I was surprised yeah. by and, and pleased no, that they didn't – Don't just... be
1: too surprised because in the comics, it took Strange a long time to earn right, that yeah. title. He was just master of the mystic arts oh, for good, years good. before he became Sorcerer Supreme.
3: Well, that's even better then. Uh,
1: what and... do
0: we think of the depiction of the Ancient One in the film? and Tilda Swinton's performance.
3: Her performance was just fine. I, I, since I didn't know much about it beforehand, I thought it was fine as well. I, um, I actually thought it was better than it was going to be. I thought it would be a little bit more blasé or not. I didn't think she'd be quite as involved as what she was. So, I, yeah, I didn't have any problem with it at all. I know
2: there, uh, oh, well, there was controversy over her choice because people were very upset that uh, they weren't choosing an Asian person. And uh, I know, I think it was Kevin Feige came out and said the reason why they didn't do that. And they did it Celtic was because they didn't want to do the whole trope of the Asian ancient one. And I don't know, whatever the reason I'm, Actually, kind of glad that Tilda Swinton was in the movie because there were no ladies. And I know I harp on this a lot, but like without her, there were no like the the love interest is there for like five minutes.
3: I was it would have just been McAdams completely
2: was... all guys. So I'm yeah. really glad that there was the inclusion of a woman character because it was there was nothing. I mean, that would be my one complaint if you know there. You do need to have more representation. Hmm. Like I, I know I harp on it, and I know people hate that I harp on it, but these are very important things. And I am glad that she was a woman because without that, there it would have just been a total, like, all guys.
1: Hmm. Clea is coming. Worry, I'm convinced Chris is right. We will almost certainly see clea in the next doctor strange movie
0: i hope so she's one of my favorite female characters in the marvel universe
3: and that's
2: good because you do need another because you killed off the ancient one you do need another female (laughs) character (laughs) and someone who's not a love interest or at least not the the nurse or she was a doctor right she was yes yeah because i think they were thinking she might be night nurse but or in the comics she's night nurse right that character no that
0: that character's been created just for the movie
2: oh okay (laughs)
0: Yeah, she's just created for the movie. Uh, We we already have our night nurse in the Magnificent Rosario Dawson.
2: Well, yes, Uh, but the reason why they can't call her night nurse is because the movies wanted the name night nurse. Oh, really? Yeah, that's the reason why she's named Claire. She's not whoever the night nurse is, whatever her name is. That's the reason why they didn't choose that name, because they said that in the movies that they wanted to use the night nurse character. But they pretty much in the Netflix arena. They pretty much made her the night nurse character. Oh yeah, she's definitely.
0: Yeah. I mean, in the Luke Cage series, she talks about how I want to help all these yeah special beings. She's the night nurse. I mean,
2: yeah.
0: Yeah, no. Rachel McAdams character is created just for the movie, and I thought. Oh, I mean, okay. even though she wasn't in it that much, I thought she actually played a very important role because the last possession he has of his material goods is is the watch she gave him, and I think that showed like she was the like the one source of like his humanity essentially. like. She, like where Whereas he was such, become such a self absorbed self indulgent uh you know arrogant jerk uh, clearly sh- she was the person who got through who got, kind of got through to that to some degree and I, I thought it was a good scene where he goes back to the hospital and you see how having to basically to give her up because you know he has to be, he has to take follow this path was clearly a painful choice for him um, and by the way, how great was the astral projection fight
3: oh
1: oh marvelous fabulous <laughs> And I'm just happy in general with the way they decided to depict the astral projection. Yeah. I thought they might get a little too creative with it. But nope, just uh, translucent ghost effects. Not yeah. too high tech, but perfectly effective.
3: I thought uh, Rachel love- Adams did very well with it too. And 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 I agree with you, Chris. Um, it, it was his one anchor to humanity in, in spite of what he would have you think or have her think especially um, when he flipped over that watch after almost being mugged and robbed of it. Um, I just figured he was being arrogant that oh it's my last position, but then possession, but then to see what was written on the other side. That just gave you that hope, that little glimmer of yeah, there's actually a human soul in there that does care about things. He just doesn't want anyone to know it yet. But that's gonna come through in a big way at some point.
0: I absolutely. Uh and as I mentioned earlier, I, I so love the portrayal of Wang. <laughs> um,
3: fabulous.
0: I love how they establish. And again, I think this goes right to the Doctor Strange: the oath they establish. You know, Wong is not just some ser- some servient yes master stereotype. You know, like the like the Asian foot servant. Like he he is clearly a, a strong character. Who? And I, what I found interesting as the movie ends, they they clearly they clearly imply that Wong will be by Strange's side, but they're not setting him up as like his servant no, essentially. No. You know, it's it's more like some like you almost get a sense like someone who'll be an ally, maybe even a guide in some ways. Like he's the librarian and. And so forth, but but the, they had good chemistry, and when they first start bantering, like with the whole thing about the one name, and he mentions Beyonce and Bono, and so forth, and you know, that's the kind of dynamic I want to see because I thought, again, like, to go back to the oath, that was captured so well because a lot of the oath is about Wong's life being in peril and how important he is to Stephen, because in many ways he's Stephen's only friend uh, in the comic universe. So I'm mean, it, interested to see how they pursue that further in uh, subsequent film. So I thought the actor. Really nailed it it was well done, yeah
3: love the design of the library, too, with the books hanging in the chains and sectioned off the way they were. I mean, it did look like any other library to a certain extent, but it also had just that that little quality that made it look fantastical
1: indeed uh, the CGI effects on the front covers yeah, were, went a long way towards establishing yeah. that. One, one word that I didn't hear anywhere in the script that I kind of wish I had, and the library would have been the perfect place to work it in, was Vishanti.
0: Yes, I was surprised as well, Murd. Could
1: have just called them the books of the Vishanti and just let the yeah. fanboys go nuts over it. Because
0: yeah. just... they mentioned the Wand of Watoon. They mentioned Faltine, which I was you know, giddy at that, of course. Because I think Mordo mentions them when he's talking to Strange about their order and so forth and so on, yeah, I... uh, when they're, when they're, when they're
3: uh, sparring. So in in the comics, uh, are there always Shadow multiple Sword. sanctums protecting Earth? That's something new. Okay, yeah, the, the whole be, yeah. this whole
1: organization, you know, this uh, Kamartage agency, this group of uh, of warrior mages protecting Earth from mystical threats. This is something that was come up with for the okay. for the movie, and uh, yeah. I'm not. I mean, it's it worked here just fine, but uh, I, I tend to think of Doctor Strange as kind of, you know, with apologies to the defenders, kind of an ultimate loner. So being having him be a part of this uh, far-reaching global organization of, of magicians, just uh, I don't know it seemed like it weakened him a little bit. Well,
3: since the Ancient Ones now gone, I don't know that you'll see much of them because I don't know that there's and, and with Mordo gone as well, or Mordo, mm-hmm. you're not going to have. As many people teaching right now, anyway, hmm. because he's going to be too busy protecting everything.
1: Oh well, yeah, this this whole order thing. To me, I, what was going through my head was like Hogwarts Jedi is what yep. this little order was, <laughs> yeah. and so now we've got our Voldemort slash Vader who's going in Mordo who's now convinced that uh, the way to restore balance to to magic to undo the damage the Ancient One has done is to go around and uh, kill a bunch of sorcerers and uh, take back their magic. So it's uh, and I'll, 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 While we're talking about Mordo, I I, I liked that character a whole lot, uh, but I can say the same thing for him that I said about uh, Baron Zemo in uh, the uh, the Captain America Civil War movie. Uh, Great character, but not at all the character in the comics. Chris has already mentioned that the Mordo of the comics is also a strong character, really. Maybe not quite as complicated. He's just another big tower of ego, the the, the Mordo of the comics. He was an apprentice to the Ancient One in the comics before Doctor Strange turned up. And the Ancient One was basically only uh, humoring the comics Mordo, uh, pretending to teach him major secrets just to keep him... Close by and out of trouble until his real destined apprentice, Doctor Strange, showed up, okay. and uh, so Mordo became Doctor Strange's mortal enemy by being jilted by the Ancient One in favor of Strange, and so so this 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 Mordo is is more complicated, and you know the, the, as Chris said before about him, the crisis of faith angle is a much more interesting more motivation, but. Uh, there's something to be said for the comics. Mordo is a nice, simple, straightforward melodramatic villain. Okay. Uh, this Mordo in the movies, uh, I, I like the way uh, of Four played him with like the Shakespearean bombast. You know, just uh, the, the, this, how, how this perceived portrayal of his entire belief system sends him on this course. Um, and I, I think that you know, going back to what I'd said, of, and that I'd said that Ian said about there being a lack of uh, serious, nuanced, and genuinely threatening and the uh, uh, properly developed villains in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, Mordo, I think, is going to be one of the better ones, after you know, the, the groundwork having been laid in this film. Okay. So I look forward to seeing that next time out.
0: What did you all go- think of the scene with Thor?
3: Out uh, of left one. field for me. I really didn't expect to see Thor there, but I'm, mm-hmm. I'm just glad, because because Thor was off doing whatever during Civil War... And I know Ragnarok's coming up. It, it was nice to see him in something tying into the greater Marvel universe, and give us a hint that Doctor Strange will have a hand in something else as well. Probably Ragnarok. Yeah. Now, what did you say, Danny?
2: Oh, I thought it was fun. Hmm.
3: Love the whole fun scene. Refilling beer thing—that was <laughs> hilarious.
0: Did you all see that the short on YouTube of? Thor explaining where he's been, <laughs> yeah, which, which is hilarious. Yeah, uh,
1: hanging around, waiting for Iron Man to return his calls, yeah, yeah. having lunch with Bruce Banner,
0: M- Molnir in a, in a you know in a blanket. It was... <laughs> Hemsworth has some good comedic chops. Yeah, he sure does. Uh, so, uh, and the other thing I wanted to comment on was and we touched upon it before, but I, again, I just have to celebrate the psychedelia in the film because. <laughs> Going into, I'm thinking. All right, so Doctor Strange. I mean, we talk about, you know, the influence he had on 60s counterculture. He appeared on a Pink Floyd album. Uh, you know, he, he's he's mentioned by Tom Wolfe the Electric Kool Aid Acid mm-hmm. Test
1: series uh, of Tom black Wolf light then posters. Appeared in a,
0: go ahead, Murder, I'm sorry. Series
1: of black light posters.
0: Yep. Oh God, those black light posters. That's my <laughs> holy grail. Um, he appeared electric. He was mentioned Electric Kool Aid Acid Test by Tom Wolfe, Ken Casey, the Merry Pranksters. Mm-hmm. Love Doctor Strange. They did. So you got to have that element. In, in a Doctor Strange movie, especially the origin, and I thought they just knocked that out of the park. Uh, I mean, like Danielle said, if you are if you are a true psychonaut in terms of y- you you indulge in certain substances, just be careful when you go into this movie because oh my God. when when he goes into the inner mind, when the Ancient One first you know yeah. is, is is taking him in, oh that was wild, and it was just what I was expecting. I mean, it was. They, the special effects people had so much fun with 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 that, and uh, I love when he when he's, he's he's done. He's like, "What was that? Silo Sieben LSD?" <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it, it was that was great. And also, again, the, I have to go back to just I love the portrayal of the dark dimension. And they clearly studied his his, his silver and early Bronze Age books and, and the the look of them, the feel. Uh, it was all there. And uh, what did you what did you all think of the portrayal of sort of the spells like? You know, that, that that ring they use to open those really funky portals oh, and
1: um rings, yeah.
3: I, I, yeah, I, was just gonna, I was just going to yeah. ask you about the sling ring, if that was a thing or just something they used for the movie. movie. Sling and, ring, do your thing. Yeah, No, that's yeah. that's <laughs> what I thought of too. <laughs> as,
1: you know, as Chris said, that's something they made up for the movie. Um,
3: yeah. That was a lot of fun and I thought a very interesting way to do it because it also – while they are dealing in mystical arts and magic and, and somewhat all-powerful as they would progress in learning spells – Having that ring to traverse between dimensions, portals, areas, whatever it is, it still limits them if they can't find it or use it, if someone takes it from them. So I I think it's it's good to have limitations on some of that stuff. Otherwise, they just become too powerful and too easily moved around. So this really gave a, a convenient but memorable plot point when you have magical objects and relics that you use. This kind of made sense to me to have this ring thing that you could use to get between places. But if someone grabs it, you're kind of screwed. Hmm. Um, I love the way that they did the graphics for the spells, whether it be turning time forward and backward rings around his arm. I, I, I like that effect. It it almost looks like what would be in the green Lantern comics with constructs to a certain extent, um, especially during like the Jeff John's Green Lantern writing period, uh Ethan van Shiver's art and stuff. Um I, I just I really enjoyed how they did it. I thought they did it very well.
1: I would have liked more uh, verbal invocations. Okay. Of, of of objects and and uh, entities of power, you know, just you know, like, you know, by the vapors of Valtor and so forth. Uh, yeah, we yeah instead of all this like Tai Chi gesticulation that they were doing. And, uh, I was
3: surprised he didn't say more to get a spell to work in conjunction with moving hands. Yeah,
1: yeah, and uh, yeah, you know, as much as I'm in general impressed with the the the, the visuals, you know, in India affects choices that were made uh, by the, uh, the the filmmakers. Uh I didn't uh, I wasn't really so wild with uh, v- magic spells uh, being manifested as just like showers of sparks.
3: I thought that was a little pedestrian. I think that What was, did you
0: think of that? I'm sorry Shane, go ahead.
3: Wasn't that really only the portals though? Uh, the, well, did they also, do it for other well, things?
0: Well, those
1: magic uh, like engrams or, oh, yeah, or mandalas they that they created are, in yeah, midair—they they, they kind of looked like, like they were made out of solid sparks too.
3: I was okay with it for the portals, but yeah, I agree. I wasn't too keen on it for the other things that were being created. That, yeah, yeah, that makes sense.
1: Daniel, what do you think of those visuals?
2: No, I thought they were beautiful. I thought they were stunning. They were designed well, and I think, frankly, uh, I think if they were saying, you know, some of the words that Murd was saying, it would take the normal audience out of it. They just sound silly, like a little too silly. It's a little too comic book-y. It gets, I guess it's, it's fine for the comics, but I think for the general audience, that wouldn't work very well. And I do think I like the idea that it was more with the hands because that just proved that Stephen... He had to work for it and fight for it because he couldn't use his hands.
3: That's a good point. And that's
2: like, I think you need that. If he could speak the words and then kind of move his fingers, that it's not the same as him having to, you know, overcome the hands and somehow, you know, point. be one with the magic mm-hmm. and do it. But I loved the way it visually looked. And I, I thought they did a great job because magic could be very, like, something happens, but, like, you see all these gorgeous intricate designs and the moving pieces and it looks like magic's almost like a machine or something Mm -hmm. it just i thought it was visually spectacular like i absolutely love that actually
1: Mm -hmm. you do make a very good point about the hands actually danny yeah excellent point i'm just glad that uh, this movie wasn't it didn't shy away from the concept of magic as such yeah, either yeah. i mean i was half afraid that they were going to try to explain it away as like just some alternate form of cosmic energy or something but nope magic is magic in the marvel cinematic universe and i can't wait for the first meeting of stephen strange and tony stark oh see what did and
0: you- stephen strange and loki which they're hinting at.
1: Hmm.
0: So that would be fun to
1: see too, but I just want to see, uh, you know, uh, sorcery and science go head to head, as well as the uh, egos representing each respectively.
3: Well, and and Wong did a great job of of establishing that in the beginning when, when Steven was asking questions about, well, what, what do we do? Someone's got to tell me. And he said, well, the Avengers, you know, the Avengers, they protect this, we protect the magic. And like you said, it was just magic. There was no, no other explanation needed. Um, God, I just had another thought, and I lost it. I'll think about it again. It'll come back.
0: Yeah. Where would we like to see these? This character go in the movie universe? What would you guys like to see in in future installments?
2: Hmm. I have no idea, actually. I mean, it'll inter- it'll be interesting to see him in uh, the Avengers movie and how he plays a role in that. But I think after that, I might just want to see him do his own adventures and, you know, magic worlds. <laughs> I don't know if I want to see him completely uh interact with all the other people. I mean, I'm sure it'll be fun. It'll I guess it, it all depends on how well everything everyone all the chemistry goes when you see the Avengers movie.
0: And, and that's like coming out to twenty eighteen, correct?
2: I have no idea. I think I so because I think yeah. we were looking up that Ragnarok comes out in That's next year. Next year. Because I think Guardians of the Galaxy is is Free Comic Book Day movie,
3: okay.
2: And I think Ragnarok was August.
3: I think that sounds right.
2: Hmm. Yeah, I think so. Or maybe it was November.
3: I think Ragnarok is November, actually. Yeah, because
2: my guess is maybe Spider-Man is August, or I could be completely wrong on that. Mm -hmm. I we didn't actually look that up. We just looked up when Ragnarok was.
1: All right.
0: I uh. A couple of things I want to see, and I I agree with you that I love the idea of strange interacting, but I I, I think it should be done in a a very uh, adroit fashion. I mean don't just overindulge with him interacting with other characters because he is more of a peripheral character in his own world. Um, So I hope they balance that well. I really want to see Clea very much uh, in future films and uh, obviously setting up Mordo as a primary adversary, uh, but – all these things I'm very excited about. Uh, I'm interested to see how they how he further develops his powers because, as you guys mentioned, he still he's clearly he's clearly a natural. He's clearly already becoming a master of the mystic arts, but he's not the sorcerer supreme So I'm just to see how he goes on that journey uh, as well. So I, I, I this movie just hit all cylinders for me. I really enjoyed how they did it, and uh, I think they got the character so perfectly. And I, I can't wait to see how they apply him in the future, both in his own films and. In the wider universe, I wouldn't even mind. They probably won't do this, but I wouldn't even mind if they have him pop in when they do the Defenders on Netflix. They probably won't do that, but
3: yeah, that would be uh, a nice little touch, though. It, probably really not. Yeah, yeah. At but, least a mention of him.
0: I mean, they're going to have Iron Fist, and he's a mystical character, mm-hmm. yeah. so you know, it would. So it pr- certainly would work for Doctor Strange to make an appearance. Well, and,
3: and uh, I, there as well. I know it's coming when when the event, the next two Avengers movies come out, but. I wouldn't mind seeing one of the movie guys, and and again, Doctor Strange would be perfect in, in this setting, to come over to the Netflix movies just as a cameo, uh, the next Netflix shows. Because while we know that they are all in the same universe, I, I would like something a little more solid about that, other than just mentioning things that are going on. I want to see somebody come into the Netflix shows, and then somebody from the Netflix shows go over to the movies. Um, I... I I know it's logistics and it's timing and it's filming and it's actors and agents and money and all that. But um, I think Stephen Strange would be a great way to do that, especially given what the Defenders are going to do. Hmm.
2: Do you think he'll be in Thor?
3: I do. Yep, they're I do. hinting
0: at that. Yeah. yeah,
2: they're hinting at it. But I that I was like, is he going to be in Thor? Like, is he going to be a major character in Thor? I don't think or... he'll be major. I major.
3: I think Bruce Banner and the Hulk will have a much bigger role in Thor Ragnarok yeah. than what... Doctor Strange does, but I do think he will be there.
1: That movie is going to be November 3rd, 2017, by the way. Next okay. All right. and, and Spider-Man is in July of that year.
3: All right. Oh, okay. So,
0: so we August, get Guardians July. to Spider-Man So next year we're getting, we're getting Guardians, Spidey, and Thor? Nice. Wow.
1: hmm Nice. Also Wonder Woman and eventually Justice League. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. That's right. That's a great year.
0: Sorry, I, I was thinking just Marvel, my apologies, but... Wow, Shane, I echo your sentiments about the, about the TV universe because they do make they do take pains to remind you everything is one universe, yeah. which is appropriate for Marvel because that was the, that was how it was from the very beginning and why it was so special. Mm-hmm. Um, but I hope we get to a point where they can do that crossover, and, and we have to imagine that the events the the two Avengers films are going to be so cataclysmic because you know you're talking Thanos and so huge that it may, they may feel that they can sort of bring some of those characters into it. Cause it's, cause that's probably going to affect everything. Yeah. Um, even, so I, I hope, I hope they do.
3: Even if it's done in, in, in battling Thanos and, and insane Thanos is this massive thing in New York. That's, that's rampaging and everyone's there. Even if it's just like a montage of seeing things happening in hell's kitchen with all these various Netflix characters, I, at the least, I'd be happy with that. Just something to tie them into the the greater Marvel cinematic well, universe.
0: Well, that's very much in the Marvel tradition because, if you recall from the Dark Phoenix saga, as the Dark Phoenix is you know approaching Earth, they show you quick panels of the Fantastic Four reacting, Spider Man, yeah. the Avengers, you know, so forth, and so you get that sense again. Oh, this is all one universe, and I, and I think they've done that so wonderfully. Oh, sure. With with what the, in the films and the television shows, so I I, I think. I wouldn't be surprised if you do get your
3: wish. And and I know we've had Sif uh, come instead. on S.H.I.E.L.D. and, and you know, Coulson started in the movies and you're going to have the agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. people in the Avengers movies. I, I get that there are some of that plan, but this whole Netflix thing also, I think, should be included at some point, whether it's sooner or later. I, I just hope that there's a plan for that. I can't see that there's not. They've done such a great job of of working all this out so as it is. Um,
2: From the interviews I've read, it pretty much is just logistics because the Netflix. Mo- I think the TV shows are pretty much filming at the same time the movies are, yeah. and it's really just the logistics of getting everyone in the same room. And I think, I think it was Kevin Feige going on record saying, like, I think he wanted, like, they want that to happen, but it's just, it's just the logistics of all of it happening. Sure. And I think there was some kind of like comment that made you think that they are hoping to bring in some of the other characters into the Avengers movies.
3: That'd be great. And I'm not, and I'm not unhappy with, with what we've seen between the Netflix shows either with, with Night Nurse going back and forth between Daredevil and, uh, making an appearance in Jessica Jones and being in, in the second season of Daredevil. I mean, it's great to see something happening between all of them. Um, and I have uh, just a little tiny side note. I have one more episode of Daredevil's second season before I start Luke oh, Cage. Oh, my oh, goodness. God, the last few episodes have been crazy, crazy Geesh. good. Mm. So that.
0: you haven't started Luke Cage yet?
3: Nope. Nope.
0: Oh, Shannon, i got to tell you, I'm, I'm, Danielle, did you finish Luke Cage?
2: We finished it that whole weekend. That, Come on. You know what?
0: That was a blasphemous question. I apologize.
3: I, I can't. But do I'm,
0: that. A, I'm on episode 10, and i got to tell you. As far as, as terms of an overall package, it's one of my favorites so far of all the Netflix shows. I I mean, go ahead.
2: They did an amazing job. There are, I still, I really think that the Netflix shows are too long. I think 12 episodes is too many. And I know the defenders is only supposed to be eight episodes. And I think that's the way to go because I feel pretty much every single Marvel, the Netflix series has suffered in the middle there's been, like, two episodes that seem kind of, eh, they probably could have cut this. Like, I think it's...
3: Yeah, I don't disagree with it's that. It's too
2: yet. much for 12 episodes.
1: Yeah. From what so I've there was seen, a little
2: bit with that in Luke Cage. I think the main villain was a little too hokey for my taste, but I thought it was uh, incredibly well done.
0: Murd, you especially, when you watch Luke Cage, when you get to it, even, it's taking place, obviously, in the current time. But they they really pay homage to his 1970s roots, not in a, not in a cheesy way. No, that was a great way. Yes, so I know what you're talking about, Danielle. Yes, yeah. i what we're for them. But also just the music, the feeling, the vibe of the show. They they they, they really are, are tipping the hat to the character's black exploitation roots without without being cheesy. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, like there there are scenes where I'm thinking, oh yeah, that's that's basically Shaft essentially, but not but updated in how they're presenting everything. And uh, it's I'm completely riveted by that show. Like, I'm looking forward to finishing up the last uh, couple episodes.
3: Now, now so. talking about all these things and, and bringing things in and out of the grander Marvel cinematic and television universe, um, I was I was very pleased that again, like we talked, they kept Doctor Strange very magical, mystic, separate from the mainstay Marvel universe. Even with just Wong mentioning in the beginning about the Avengers and seeing the little. Avengers Tower in the background of one scene and and that's great but boy did they pull it together in the end to just give you that one little hook to tie it into all the other Marvel movies with um, the eye of uh, Agamotto Agamotto. Um, I didn't see that coming at all. And when they – and I was fine with him taking it off and, and not wanting to at first either but deciding put it back where it belongs. Mm-hmm. And then when Wong said what he said about an Infinity Stone, I, I went nuts. Oh, my god! Yeah, that's great. Um, I, I do at times think it's too convenient that all the Infinity Stones are – so conveniently placed mm-hmm. in the movies. But...
1: And they're all pre-existing Marvel Universe artifacts for the most part. And yeah, as an infinity wonk here, I, I prefer the Infinity Stones to be their own thing. Yeah, not just like the from... Cosmic
3: Cube and the Eye of Agamotto and whatever else but in g- disguise. But given how they've done it in the Marvel Universe, I wasn't unhappy with that. But I agree with that. I would have rather them completely been something else that, that they have to seek out, collect, or protect, whatever it is. Since they've done it the way they've done it, 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 it was clever because, again, I didn't see it coming. Just never even entered my mind.
1: So, are we agreed that uh, the eye is most likely the time gem? Yeah, I would yeah. think so. Yeah, they, they got the colors wrong, so. but I don't think they've really been following the same scheme no, as the comics. No. Yeah, the green is supposed to equal soul, you see, in the comics. But <laughs> here we've got the green, this green thing glowing in the middle of the eye of Agamotto, and it's it, it gives Doctor Strange the power to warp time to, yeah. bar, to uh, bargain with Dormammu. So, yeah. Almost oh, has to be the time gem yeah. or time stone. Excuse me.
0: <laughs> Do we have uh, any closing thoughts before we give our ratings?
1: Uh, I'd like to throw out uh, what, what is to me an exciting Easter egg that I noticed. Go ahead, please. Um, uh, the, uh, the 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 master of the Camartage Order who was running the New York Sanctum and was killed by Caecilia and mm-hmm. his men. Uh, according to IMDb, he was Daniel Drum. And oh so wow, he's been. Yeah, uh, Shane doesn't know what we're talking oh, about. No, that, but, that's uh, fine. Uh, he's happy dead now, land. so maybe his spirit will seek out his brother, uh, psychologist Jericho Drum, possess him. Uh-oh. and Next thing you know, the MCU got brother Voodoo. Yeah. <laughs> maybe he'll Mur- show up Mur- in well one. Well done. He could be on one of the Netflix series. He could be on Agents of Shield. You Who know, maybe this is actually going to happen.
3: Nice.
0: That's good cool. call, Murd. Ugh. Oh. I got a chill just then. Now, did
1: oh, you have an oh, inkling
3: fantastic. of that when it happened, or are you just idly searching it They mentioned
1: it? his name after he was killed, but I couldn't – I don't think I – missed that name. Oh. It, it was spoken with an accent, so it didn't uh, register with me as drum. Okay. But otherwise, I might have I made the connection. But uh, here in the credits, he's, he's listed as Daniel Drum.
3: Very cool. Ah. Oh.
0: Brother Voodoo, baby. I hope that's coming down the pike. <laughs> fantastic. Other closing thoughts.
3: Uh, I'm just happily not disappointed yet in any of the Marvel cinematic or television efforts. Um, I, I think they keep they keep their heads about them. They they do it with reverence to anything in the comics that they can. For my taste, um, the effects are just out of this world. The way they're weaving this world um, is beyond anything I ever could have imagined when Iron Man came out. So yeah, I'm I'm absolutely pleased. Um, I'm, I'm real happy that uh, my kids are into it and want to see it. They, they may not read the comics like I did at their age, but they are into the Marvel movies. And um, I'm glad that they get excited when something's announced and something comes out and they start to make some of these connections that, that we all talk about. And, uh, and they might ask me, hey, didn't this happen? Or isn't that how they're doing this? And aren't they connecting? Yeah, they're doing all that. So, yeah, it's, it's fun for me to watch that, that side of it as well. So, yeah, I'm, I'm totally pleased.
1: Me, I yeah. love magic. I love the heroic redemption of the arrogant, and I love uh, deeply imaginative psychedelic visuals. So I was a pig and slop for this, and <laughs> I can only imagine that the f- movie we said a couple of times the plot was a little thin. So that you know, they can—that's one way they can improve for the next one. I have no doubt that uh, the next Doctor Strange movie, great as this one was, in my opinion, will be even better.
2: Yeah, I think if they didn't have that cast, the movie would not have been as good. Like, I think. Good point. Good the point. cast and the visuals were so stellar that the plot could be thin. And you were kind of okay with it. But uh, it, it's kind of amazing that even though a lot of the Marvel movies still have like a very plot, like a very basic plot line that they kind of follow, uh, each movie has a different feel to it. And they really do a very good job of choosing the right directors sure. for yes. these movies because they really could all look the same, but they all have their own personality. And I think that's actually really important because they, just like when you read a comic, everything is in the same universe, but it's all different writers, different artists. So it everything has a different feel. So I really enjoy the fact that they really allow the director's to kind of, like, they have a... Marvel has a vision, and I'm sure they have a, you can't do this, this, or this, but they do, it seems, give them a little bit of freedom to make sure that each movie looks different and feels right for the theme that it's going for. And I, I think Doctor Strange is another movie that just, they did a really amazing job making you feel the magic and understanding the magic, and not, I... I thought the the dark dimension at the end with du Marmo was a little too out there for me. Like I kind of <laughs> laughed. I was like, Oh, isn't that adorable? That looks <laughs> so stupid. But it just made me, it really made me think of those fuzzy black light posters. That's all I could think of every time I saw that. Yeah, but did, I mean, that I, means they did their job. <laughs> I understand what they were going for, but yeah. to me, it, it actually almost took me out of it for a second because it went, I was like, "Okay, this went a little too far out there for me." Like it took me out of it. But then I was like, "Okay, I get what they're going for. I get with the neon colors and stuff." But um, overall, I think you know, it was it was a good movie and it was fun. I'll watch it again in the background.
0: I echo all of your sentiments. And one of the comments I would make, I want to applaud Marvel uh, for I wish it was a little more prominent. They they acknowledge in in the credits. Obviously, they mentioned Lee and Ditko in the very beginning, as they should. But they acknowledge at the end, you know, the pantheon of greats who have all, you know, contributed to the Doctor Strange mythos. You know, saw Roy Thomas there. You saw Gene Colan's name. You saw Steve Englehart. You saw Len Wein. You saw Brian K. Vaughan. Uh, I think you saw Frank Brunner. If I hope his name was there. If he wasn't, that's that's shameful. But um, you know, they they really acknowledge a lot of the people who played such a key role in giving us this character. And, and I thought that they really went to the well when, in terms of tapping. Just the, the general mythos of the character and putting it on the screen in such a way that whether you're, you're a, a neophyte when it comes to the character or if you're well-versed in the comic, either way, you you really you were immersed in this film and you, and you thoroughly enjoyed it. So I'm pleased as punch yet again with what Marvel has pulled off here. Bravo.
1: And by the hoary hosts of Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Frecking swears, my friends. Mert, go ahead. Uh, I'm not messing around. Five. Yeah, I'd still go with a five.
2: I'd
0: probably give it a three and a half, four. Uh, I'd give it a four and a half out of five, I'd say. So I think we're all happy with it.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Very good marks,
0: Doctor. All righty, anything else, my friends?
1: Sounds like uh, all our magic words have been uttered. Yeah. So, let me uh, then uh, play us out here by giving an extra vote of thanks to our sponsor for this episode, which is the Collection Drawer Company, home of the Drawer Box storage system. Visit CollectionDrawer.com to find out more about what they can do for you and your collection.
3: Visit us at ComicGeekSpeak.com to send us an email. The address is ComicGeekSpeak at gmail.com. To leave a voicemail, the number is 267-702-6642. Stop by the com and let us know what you all think or thought of Doctor Strange. Follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook. Thanks to everyone who contributes to the episodes and sends stuff to us. We appreciate it and uh, couldn't do it without you. It, it's what makes it worth it. And as always, we are uniting the world's mightiest heroes, one listener at a time.